Hello, and welcome to Learning Reimagined. I'm Allison, and with me is Sandy. Good morning, Sandy. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. It's um, feeling like things are starting to get a little bit back to normal in my area. Um, I know more people are getting vaccinated. Schools are opening up a little bit. Restaurants are opening up a little bit more. So it's starting to feel a little bit more normal. How about you, where you are? Actually, that it's so encouraging because as you know, I have a current senior. And so colleges are actually announcing that they're gonna be at full capacity in classroom next fall. So I'm really, really that looking forward the, to that. Oh, that's the best news, fantastic. Yes. Yes. We haven't received that confirmation here where we are for our public schools for the, um, you know, for the K through 12, we haven't received that mm -hmm. yet. So I don't, mm. I'm optimistic, but I know that there are still quite a few areas that that's not going to happen. Um, so it just, it, I, I'm hoping our listeners um, tuned in to our last podcast where we talked about resources to help our families um, and especially looked at our um, Instagram page where we listed out a lot of helpful resources uh, for all various grade levels and subject areas uh, because I think our families are going to need support even next year throughout all of this as um, some areas just aren't coming back as quickly as we had hoped. Uh, but in that um, podcast, we mentioned one of the resources or one of the upcoming trends is micro schools. And it's such a viable and valuable resource that we wanted to dedicate an entire episode to micro schools. And so Sandy, why don't you explain a little bit about micro schools and what they are? micro schools and it's not something that's brand new but it is becoming more and more of a popular idea and what it is is just it's a concept of a group of families or a, a little community coming together and educating their group of students so they take it on themselves whether one parent opts to be a teacher and maybe a facilitator of curriculum for these students um, or they hire uh, a teacher just for their own little pod mm. or micro school. So it's a very unique concept in that parents are taking control. After this past year where so much was in flux mm -hmm. and things were out of control, this is their way of kind of regaining that control. So it's very exciting. And so that's why today I think it's going to be just such a valuable um, podcast for so many because we've had such demand for this information. So I'm really looking forward to today's speaker. Oh, me too. I'm excited to look, learn a little bit more. And we will have with us a micro schools expert, uh, Mr. Dave Benoit. Um, so I'm excited to introduce him and learn and educate all of us about micro schools, what they are and how we can get involved if we'd like. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Advantages Digital Learning Solutions, where learning is reimagined. Welcome to Learning Reimagined. Today, we have an important guest with us, Mr. Dave Benoit. Welcome, Dave. Hi, Allison. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, Dave Benoit is an innovative ed tech business leader. He has started four companies. He served as president and CEO for five companies, and he has over 30 years of experience in sales, marketing, operations, and senior management. He's been involved in education probably longer than I've been alive. So <laughs> he's got a lot of experience <laughs> to share with us. And he's an expert on micro schools. So we're really excited to pick your brain about micro schools. Absolutely happy to do that. 
Dave, we've been so excited and looking forward to this podcast because of the great demand that we're hearing from our listeners and the conversations about microschools. So can you tell us a little bit more about it? Certainly, Sadie, happy to do that. You know, microschools are uh, kind of a, a fascinating new adaptation that has appeared in on the you know, education landscape, I guess you could say, over the course of uh, really the last 10 years or so, maybe a little bit more than 10 years. In the late, uh, you know, 2000s, like 2008, 2009, that time frame, we started to see uh, this concept pop up. And it really, I think, was a response to, uh, you know, the, what was te- technology was allowing us to do in terms of adapting to you know school that could happen anywhere virtual schools were starting to become a much more popular trend uh virtual charter schools were becoming uh you know much more uh accepted and and implemented in a lot of the different states and so this idea that you could do different things you could do a smaller model you could do a more intimate type of a schooling environment <clears throat> you know that could exist within a neighborhood or within a community group uh, was really where the, the whole micro school concept began. And really this notion, I think of individualization, you know, being able mm-hmm. to doing, being able to do something that was more individualized to, you know, what your particular child might want or need and what you might want for your child to be able to do, you know, is obviously a much, much more flexible thing in a small size grouping. And these micro schools, by the way, typically, you know, the, the definition of that is that it's more between five and 15 students. So they, they have a little bit of a different feel and look to how they, they originated more like, you know, the one room schoolhouse. And so what we see today in micro schools is quite different. Um, they're becoming more formalized for sure. Yeah, the, the trend started, uh, one of the founders, for example, was uh, a gentleman, <coughs> excuse me, who... Uh, who uh, was it started a, a programming class for his daughter, you know, okay. and that was kind of how he got into it and then realized, wow, there's a lot more we can do here hmm. and started to expand out into uh, into doing more with uh, micro schooling. But you know, a lot of the elements of a one room schoolhouse are still there. For example, many of the micro schools will serve multiple grade levels. Oh, OK. Um, you know, so that that's definitely a, a common trend. Um, and and uh, Really, I think what what happens in these programs that uh, find, people find attractive and that is really exciting is that you've got small groups, you've got students working together, you know, who maybe you know are different ages even, but they're mm-hmm. they're working on projects, you know, that can be made age appropriate for a wider range of students, uh, and you've got a, a, a teacher, you know, the the micro school concept. If it's truly a micro school according to the way a lot of these companies have established themselves, they do uh, uh, require a teacher. So, uh, you know, parents may be involved in the program, but there is uh, a certified teacher who's involved as well. And depending upon how you build out your micro school, you know, if you're not working with one of these companies or if you're working with a content provider, you can work with a content provider who is an accredited school so that you've got that component uh, available to you as well if you're concerned about that accreditation piece. Interesting. Okay, that's fantastic. That's great. So um, have you seen, Dave, what is your perspective on the, the popularity of these micro schools? Do you see it more as a knee-jerk reaction? Do you see it with a little bit more longevity since they did start over a decade ago? What do you think the trend is? 
Yeah, that's a good question. And, uh, you know, uh, over the course of 20 to 30 years of education technology really being a big thing in schools, we've seen a lot of things start and stop and not necessarily become, you know, core elements of what happens in school, you know, with technology. But at the same time, you know, I think we, we do now, we know that over half uh, the schools in, in the country have one-to-one uh, computing initiatives, you know, so there's a lot of technology being used in classrooms. And with the micro school trend, you know, it, it definitely has benefited here recently from uh, the pandemic, you know, has certainly made people really think more more carefully about, you know, what do I want my kids to be doing and where do I want them doing it and how much should technology be involved? And I think there's, you know, maybe a different appreciation uh, for, what technology can do, you know, that now that parents have had a chance to maybe see more of it close up, but also uh, a respect for the fact that it needs to be uh, carefully planned and really used effectively or else uh, it it can be not such a great thing. You know, (laughs) a lot of the zooming and swiveling that we saw happening over the course of the last year, you know, with schools kind of scrambling to try to put all this together, uh, you know, some of it was, was pretty good and some of it was not very effective. And so I, I think, as a result of that, you know, an opportunity to do something more structured and more formalized like a micro school has definitely gotten a lot more attention. You know, there are, there, they have increased in size and popularity significantly in the last year. And I think that's probably going to continue as a trend. I mean, we're, we're seeing data that suggests that anywhere from five to 15% of the population approximately, you know, you never know with, mm-hmm. with these things, but uh, that there is a significant group of parents out there who are now thinking, you know, they like to have a, maybe an alternative mode or maybe right. a mode where their kids go to school for a few days a week, but are able to be at home for a couple of days as well. So with those sorts of things happening, you know, I think uh, models like a micro school, you know, will also get more attention and, and likely uh, become a, a more popular option. And, and, you know, typically these things keep moving forward. You know, they don't go backward. We don't right. kind of go go back to something we were doing before, but we find a way to evolve it into, you know, into what we're doing in, you know, as we kind of get smarter about it and, and add different options. So yeah. uh, it's kind of a long answer, but yeah, I think uh, micro schools will continue to, to grow and expand. And in particular in certain markets right now where parents are really frustrated with what's happening in schools, you know, they may grow even a little bit faster. You know, we may see mm-hmm. more of them pop up uh, much more quickly. Yeah, I agree. That seems to be a common thread um, since we started doing this podcast is parent dissatisfaction with the schools has really um, brought on some change. It's brought on a lot more involvement with parents and their kids' education. So I think that that's a great thing, um, getting parents more connected with what their kids are learning and how they're learning. And so what are some other benefits that you see? We've touched on it a little bit, but benefits of the micro-schooling platform. Sure. Good question. I I think the things that are most beneficial in the micro-school environment are probably some of the things that are beneficial overall to really effective use of technology, but they maybe get enhanced, you know, in a small group environment where, you know, there's a, a real focus on, on learning and supporting, you know, those students who are operating in that environment. So, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, if you're using the right tools and using the technology effectively, you know, with any size group, you can 
do a better job of individualizing learning, you know, of creating an environment where students can move at their own pace, uh, you know, so that students who are able to move more quickly through subject matter that they're really comfortable with are able to do that versus, you know, a lot of times in a traditional classroom, there are some, you know, some restrictions on that. Teachers are trying, trying really hard to, to keep everybody at roughly the same pace so that they can continue to present new information and, and mm-hmm. do it that way. But it's driven by the teacher. In this case, if you've got content that's being delivered by the technology, you know, students are able to move more quickly. And then in a micro school environment, which is, you know, tends to be multi-grade, multi-level, multi-age, um, you're gonna have kids all working on different types of instructional software and using different tools and they can all be moving at their own pace. So it enhances that flexibility. You know, it really gives you an opportunity to allow that to happen in, in a much more meaningful way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's probably the most advantageous way for most of us to learn. You know, we, we're all, we all learn differently. We all have slightly different preferences and strengths and weaknesses. And so when you can really, um, you know, allow that to happen, you know, and, and, kind of focus on that that ability that students may have to be um, you know strong in certain areas and to move very quickly on certain things they're, they're going to get a lot more done they're going to be more engaged they're going to be much more successful as students so mm-hmm. I think that's that's probably the greatest benefit and it focuses around that that ability to be in a small group to use the technology as the driver for instruction mm-hmm. and um, and probably to some extent to be able to benefit from um, you know, the, uh, your fellow students, you know, what, what you can, can learn and share and, and, uh, and, and how you develop based upon those interactions as well. You, you mentioned technology a lot. Do the families have to have technology? Is, is the education have to be derived from a computer or are there other ways that micro schools exist? Um, well, if, if we're talking specifically about, you know, the, the companies and the organizations that have been kind of put into this category of micro-schooling, um, you know, the groups that, that fit under that heading are all leveraging technology. Okay. Yeah, so in, within that group of what we've defined as micro-schools, you definitely are finding uh, that those companies are using learning management tools and creating, you know, online lesson plans and, you know, accessing different types of content providers, you know, anything okay. from things like Khan Academy to, um, you know, to more full-blown uh, curriculum options, um, you know, that, that, that are available out there in the market today. So, uh, you know, in a micro school environment, as it's currently being defined, those are definitely components. Okay. Um, you know, could you do it without that? Yeah, you probably could. But one of the issues there is, you know, now you're dealing with piles of books and, mm-hmm. you know, lots of resources that are more difficult to organize and to and certainly to be flexible. Because one of the other elements of, of a micro school environment is that you can come together to do it you know, in a location, might be in someone's house, might be in a community center. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, if if you're moving, if you've got a lot of heavy books and things that you're trying to move around to support that environment, that would literally be like trying to pick up and move a classroom. So the beauty of online content and access to all the resources that we can provide students with online today is that you literally can move that classroom anywhere and it moves with the student, they would have to have uh, a device. Right? Sure, so sure. one of the one of the main main components here of the success in a micro schooling environment would be that I've got uh, probably a laptop or a Chromebook, 
Um, you could probably do a fair amount of it uh, on the phone. And I know for students today, for young people, they're pretty comfortable with that form factor. But uh, for some of us <laughs> yes. old people who need a bigger screen, you know, we prefer a laptop. Yeah. My daughter has um, typed entire essays on her cell phone. It's ridiculous <laughs> to me. But yes, they, they're very, yeah, they're very creative. Impossible <laughs> to comprehend, but wonderful that they're able to do those things. Yes. That customization is really key for our families. And that's something that definitely is attractive and a really great benefit. Um, now, Dave, in regards to the cost, you mentioned the technology and the, the need for a laptop or or Chromebook. Um, I'm thinking about more of education equity. How can families embrace the finances that this might entail? Yeah, that's a great question, Cindy. And, uh, you know, relatively speaking, you know, certainly compared to standing up a brick and mortar school with a building and everything involved in that, relatively speaking, you know, doing something in this micro school category is, is pretty uh, affordable and and reasonable to accomplish. You know, in a lot of cases, um, many of these microschooling programs are neighborhood initiatives. You know, where a bunch of parents get together and they, you know, maybe move it around to different uh, homes on a day to day basis, or somebody's got a big space, you know, in their basement, and you can do it there. Uh, some, in, as I mentioned, in some cases, it's happening in community centers. You know, where there's uh, available space where you can do it in that type of an environment. Um, you, know, you could foresee in the future even, uh, you know, learning center providers, some of the different companies that provide after-school tutoring, for example, being uh, folks who might decide to move into this whole micro-schooling area as well. That, that certainly would be a viable thing. But if, from a cost perspective, um, you know, relatively low cost from the standpoint that in a, in a lot of those cases I just described, that space, you know, may be free of charge or easily accessible, you know, right in your neighborhood or someplace close by. Uh, so you're not, you know, necessarily having to transport students, especially if we're talking about, uh, you know, small groups, which we said five to 15 is kind of the average uh, size of a micro school group. So, you know, you could imagine that they're all uh, closely located and, you know, moving to a space that's uh, accessible to them. And uh, the technology, you know, is, is certainly one cost involved. But, you know, for most of our families today, even, um, you know, even those in low income categories, they typically have access to, uh, to cell phones and in many cases also to computers. You know, maybe not one for everyone in the family, but certainly some computing capability available you know, within a family unit so that it could be utilized, uh, you know, for something like this, you, you might, you know, want to have one specifically dedicated, you know, for that particular student or students who are going to be involved in the program. So there could be some cost there, but relatively low cost from that perspective. And because most, if not all of the materials are going to be online, you know, that would be something that, uh, you know, could is probably going to get incorporated into some, if you're working with a provider, for example, into some sort of a materials cost or instructional cost or fee that's involved. And, you know, again, if you're working with one of these micro school providers, there's, uh, going to be a teacher connected to it as well. That's going to be a cost that's shared across that, that group. So there is some, some cost involved, but relatively low cost and not a big upfront startup cost involved, which I think is another element of this that's attractive and that's allowed them to pop up here more frequently, you know, mm -hmm. given the situation with the pandemic and, and some of the concerns that families have had. 
Yeah, so my, fascinating. My sister-in-law, she um, was trying to balance work life and homeschool life. And so she brought her students, her kids who were um, middle school and high school, brought them with her to her office. And they were some, doing some work in the, the conference room. A couple other families that she worked with started doing the same. So, so they are the first people that I know that created their own little micro school in the workplace. And so they brought their kids to work and they all just work in the back room and it's worked out really well for them. And that was one of the, one of the occurrences in my life that I'm like, we've got to learn more about this because it's, it's happening all over. Yeah. Very interesting. Isn't it? Uh, You Mm -hmm. know, we've seen companies provide a variety of different, uh, you know, employee benefits, you know, like uh, onsite daycare Mm -hmm. and, you know, access to uh, to meals in some cases for employees and things of that nature. But this notion of schooling coming to the workplace, yeah. it, it hasn't really been scalable when you think about, you know, uh, three or 400 student elementary school, for example, you, right. you, there just isn't space for that in, mm-hmm. a, in a workplace. But when you think about a micro school or even a series of micro schools, potentially that could be available, uh, that's much more viable. And interestingly, because of what's happening with office space now, you know, with so many of these companies that have gone to uh, their employees working from home, or at least on a partial basis during the pandemic, all of a sudden, there's a huge amount of office space that's available. Um, yeah, that's I have a son who happens to be an architect here in the Chicago area, and he does a lot of work on buildings that are being redesigned. A lot of their work is redesigned, not building new buildings. And a lot of that work happens to be in office buildings. You know, so they they work in office buildings in the city and in the suburbs and all over the Chicago area. And one of the things they're finding right now is that a lot of these spaces are being redesigned, you know, for different numbers of employees and different configurations, because a lot of times it's now going to be shared space. If everyone doesn't have to come in every day, then shared spaces can work for employees. Mm -hmm. But one of the other things that they're getting asked a lot about now is, you know, are there ways we could, you know, create other means of using this space that might be advantageous to our employees. And one of the discussions that they're having with a number of different uh, large companies in the Chicago area right now is this idea of putting education or different types of opportunities for students to be, you know, on those sites, um, whether it's, you know, for extracurricular or daycare or for a full-blown micro-school type of a program. So, uh, yeah, I think we may see it, we may see it appear through that means as well, where companies actually sponsor and provide some resources to uh, to help with this. So wow, the opportunities, <laughs> just the, the reforming this whole concept of educating our youth. Mm-hmm. It's just been amazing. Yeah. Well, and when you think about you know the potential of what happens if you start to put students in that environment, in that workplace environment, I mean, there's certainly challenges to it, you know, and uh, for the employees you know, who have kids who are in the space, but it now introduces those students, those young people to the workplace mm-hmm. and to the different types of jobs that are happening and to, you know, gets them thinking about what they might want to do in a much different way. Not only that, potentially, you know, puts them in position as they get old enough to be, uh, you know, working in internships mm-hmm. and doing different kinds of job shadowing. You know, so our ability to start getting students thinking about those types of things that they want to do with their life and their career at a much earlier age and actually seeing it happen in a much more meaningful way, uh, you know, is, is so much more attainable in that type of an environment than we've ever been able to imagine it to be uh, before. So it creates some very interesting 
pathways that could open for uh, for how learning happens and for when kids start to make that transition into experimenting with what they really want to do career-wise and you know, in terms of internships and other things. It's exciting. Actually, I hadn't even thought about that aspect of you know the work experience that these kids can get and just being in that environment, which which is just great for them long-term, I think. I think there's a lot of benefit to that. Um, but I am concerned, is is it risky for these for families to say, okay, I'm going to start a micro school um, with record keeping and proving that your student has done what that you've said they are doing? Um, how do you have official transcripts and record if your student ends up going, you know, wanting to either A, go back to a brick and mortar school or B, when they are ready to apply to college? Um, is this new model risky? Uh, it's an interesting question, isn't it? And, you know, I guess you know, there are a couple of different ways you could look at that and you could actually kind of plan for that potential into into what you decide to do with your students. Uh, you know, if you're in, in that position where you're looking at this as an option, um, I, I guess first I would say you know, we've, we know we have well over a million homeschoolers in the United States today and uh, a, a vast uh, percentage of that audience, you know, are have great experiences uh, and many of them end up going on to uh, you know, schools of higher education, you know, in many cases, okay. you know, very, very high end, you know, the, those kids tend to do very well, you know, when they get tested, they tend to, you know, excel on things like the SAT and, you know, are very successful in higher education environments. So, so we know that that's possible. And we know that there's some alternative pathways now that are available for that. More and more schools are not even requiring SAT or ACT as part of the acceptance right. uh, path. So, so there are ways you could get that done, you know, potentially without having, you know, the structure and the record keeping and the accreditation that we're used to in our schools. However, you know, if you are, uh, you know, concerned about that, or you want to have a program that's got a little bit more structure around it, you know, it's just something you feel more comfortable with. Um, I think we're going to see in this micro school space that uh, some, if not all of these providers, you know, probably at least some percentage of them will end up partnering with accredited school providers, you know, mm. so that you've got uh, the ability to have, you know, a formal transcript and, and have, you know, grades recorded and all that kind of information, just as you would in any, in any sort of formal, you know, face-to-face -face school environment, brick and mortar environment, you know, that school students are typically in. There are many providers now who are uh, accredited to provide that kind of an experience in a virtual environment. You okay. know, so our, our ability to, to offer that same structure and, um, and level of accountability, if you will, is uh, very, very real and very uh, achievable in a virtual space. So if that's something that's of interest to you as a parent, I would suggest you look for a program that does have that, that accreditation, you know, piece mm -hmm. in, included in it. And that way, you know, you're going to be able to get that transcript and have, have that information easily available. And mm -hmm. if any of our listeners are interested in that, you can email us at learningreimaginedthepod at gmail.com and we can direct it to Mr. Benoit and he can actually reference you to other programs that he knows can partner with you. Um, he knows quite a few that are reputable and can provide proper transcripts and structure that you need at an at affordable price. So please reach out. Absolutely. Happy to do that. 
Dave, this information is so insightful. And now we have so many families as we approach April and they start to really think about the next school year. How, what are the next steps? What, what, do, what do we recommend? How do you, what do you share? How do you start your own micro school? Yeah. How do you start? <laughs> that's, a, that's also a really interesting question, isn't it? And you know, there are uh, a lot of different ways I think you could do that. Uh, you know, the first and best way may just be to um, network with some of some of your friends and neighbors, you know, and, and talk about, you know, where, where you are all at right now in terms of how you're feeling about what's happening in your schools and the safety. And, uh, um, you know, is it a place where you, you feel like uh, there are going to be any issues going forward? Or are you looking at something where you might want to consider an alternative? Because I think you know, probably the best place for this to occur, you know, based upon this kind of a model is going to be in some sort of a closely connected community. You know, so whether that community is your neighborhood, whether it's, you know, a group of colleagues whom you work with, if it happened to be a workplace type of an opportunity, as we were just discussing, uh, you know, that's that's the right place to start. I think um, uh, it's also possible, very, very possible and very easy to, you know, to Google some of these micro schools that are out there today that are having success in the marketplace and to um, to take a look at what they have to offer and their ability to support you literally anywhere, you know, mm -hmm. because all, all of their support is virtual. So um, they can provide you with, you know, a package of resources and content and work with you on identifying teachers and providing a lot of this, you know, online capability that we've described. So there are, are different ways you can look at it from that perspective as well. So if you've got, you know, that core group of folks who are interested, you know, that you've identified or perhaps you're a teacher and, you know, you're thinking, wow, I'd rather you know, teach in a different type of an environment maybe than what I've been doing in the classroom, but I still want to do this, but, you know, could maybe do it outside of mm -hmm. the, uh, the, uh, the brick and mortar space. Um, you know, uh, teachers could also be the starting point for some of this. Right. I, yeah, I, was, I was just thinking about that. Like a teacher mm -hmm. who is fresh. I actually had a, I um, spoke about it at our last podcast. A dear friend of mine is in California and they've been online, her, her kids have been online and they don't see an end in sight. They don't believe they're going back in public, in person, excuse me, next year. And so she's extremely frustrated and was thinking about moving to a different state just to get a different environment. And this would be a perfect thing for her to start her own, you know, her own micro school as a teacher because she's got the experience, she's got the know-how and now she has connections with students and whatnot too. I know a lot of people would be interested in working with her and then I started thinking about sports teams, you know, a youth sports team, you know, they, they travel for their sport or whatnot. That's another group that you can group together to do a micro school, um, like-minded no, families. No and there's yep. just the opportunities. My mind is reeling. There's so much to do. <laughs> yes. Yep. I, I live in the Chicago area and we have a lot of uh, hockey rinks around here, for example. Mm. And, and in many cases, you know, some of the, the top hockey players are are students who are coming from a very long distance and perhaps living with other families. And some of these programs, you know, have already started to offer, um, you know, virtual uh, educational opportunities for mm -hmm. kids who are playing hockey and having to do a lot of traveling. And they've right. got a space in that rink area where they do their studies every day. And then, 
they're also uh, able to be, uh, you know, close by to do their training. Uh, you know, so absolutely, you know, any, any type of program, you know, whatever sport it, it happened to be, you know, could be another place where this whole micro school concept, uh, you know, could really take off. You know, it, yeah, it does, absolutely. I don't think it really has any limits. It's I, all, yeah, it doesn't seem like. No, it's and just then about no. having the right group of folks who, mm-hmm. you know, are easily accessible and, um, you know, are kind of sh- have a shared uh, set of objectives. Right. And just a and second note for our NCAA, our, our sports kids, or are you going to say the same thing? That's today? exactly what I was oh, going to say. So I'm like, uh, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> it's really critical that parents keep in mind the NCAA qualifications and making sure that whatever program they go with is licensed to have approved courses through NCAA, especially for their athlete. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, really absolutely. Uh, and it's a great point. And if, if you have uh, students who are aspiring to, you know, to play in college and to have, so they need to have a, a transcript uh, that is va- valid, can be validated and, uh, you know, is coming from an accredited program. So in those cases, and I, and I believe some of the, the, the programs that I've observed, it, you know, connected to some of these hockey programs, for example, do they do use accredited providers. Right, you're absolutely. You're going to want to have that NCAA uh, validation, you know, easily accessible so that, so that if the, when those students get involved with colleges and with qualifying, you know, for scholarships that they've got all that, all that data easily accessible. Right. You want to have good records and transcripts and whatnot and, and all of that that we've mentioned. So, um, yep. Yep. Dave, you alluded to the cost. Um, you can have an upstart cost, of, you know, very minimal, but can you give our listeners a dollar figure? Like, what do you think? Because to you, just a little bit of money might be a lot different to me what a little bit of money is. So, sure. Uh, what, what's a, what's an, a price range that you think a micro school start could be? Yeah, that, that's also a very good question. And it's a pretty wide range, Allison, at least in what's out there right now. Okay. Uh, you know, it, you could uh, you could get a basic program started uh, and not thinking about, you know, any specific provider necessarily. But, you know, if a provider had access to curriculum and you're sharing the cost of an instructor, you know, you could reasonably get something like that uh, up and running, you know, for as low as the $5,000 range, you okay. know, I, I think would be, would not be unreasonable. Is that per um, family or per micro school? Um, that I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm sorry, I'm thinking about that as a per student kind okay. of a cost. Okay. Now, if you had multiple students, it might go down a little bit, but some of your fixed costs, for example, like the teacher, you know, you'd have to share that across the number of students in the program. So that, that piece, uh, you know, you'd probably be looking, you know, even if you had multiple students at around that same cost, it might go down a little bit if you had multiple students from the same family. Okay. <clears throat> but that that's probably the low end of the spectrum. And, and, and I know that there are programs out there, you know, that are doing a lot more with uh, technology and with instructional opportunities for kids and, um, you know, some other features that are are getting that number up into the uh, you know twelve to fifteen thousand range, for example, on a on an annual basis, on a per student basis. So okay. that uh, the the range can be pretty wide, but it can be pretty reasonable. You know, it's not not going to be without some cost associated with it. Although there are opportunities in some states to get some reimbursement, you know, for educational uh, costs. Uh, you know, so depending upon the state you're in, there could be different types of opportunities that you definitely would want to make yourself uh, aware of what your state allows and, and where 
uh, you know, state funds can be used for, uh, for educational purposes. Okay. Great. Dave, our time together, I'm so grateful for all of this wonderful information. What takeaways as we wrap up, can you give our listeners as far as micro schools or your thoughts or your recommendations? Uh, well, uh, Cindy, I think probably the most important thing, you know, and, and what I learned from, uh, uh, from raising three sons uh, is that y- you have to look at every every child, every student as an individual learner. They're all so different and they all have different needs. And it could very well be that, you know, if you've got uh, more than one child, for example, maybe you've got uh, one student who would be perfect for this environment and another one who, you know, really, really wants to go back into uh, a more traditional environment, which is great and that's fine. And maybe that's the way you go. Or, or perhaps you're in a, in a situation where this is just a better fit for your family and for the way your lifestyle and for the way it works. And you want to want to explore micro schools for that reason. But I think one of the mo- most important things is to look at each one of, of your, of your children and their skills and their strengths and their weaknesses and what they, and what their interests are and kind of where they're, where they'd like to go. Um, yeah, I always felt it was really important and continue to believe it's really important to, you know, to have a plan, you know, for, for what you want to do with education and, and where you think it's going to head with, uh, with your kids. And, and that may change, you know, in, in our case, it changed many times over the course <laughs> of their, uh, their academic careers, but, um, you know, having a plan and kind of laying it out and, and, and getting their input, you know, uh, making as, as even from a young age, but as they get older, they have a lot of ideas and a lot of uh, thoughts about what they want to do and what their interests are and trying to trying to leverage that is really important as well. But I really do believe that, you know, the individualization is, is critical for so many kids, that ability to, to uh, get more focus on, on what they're interested in, to move at their own pace. And, and that can be, uh, it can be a challenge, you know, in a traditional classroom environment. So for kids who, who do have uh, some of those uh, unique interests and, uh, and want to do things a little differently, these types of programs can be very effective. Um, but, but I think it's really the key is, is looking at each child and, and at what their, what their strengths and weaknesses are and figuring out, you know, where the fit is going to be best for, uh, for them in these different types of options that are available. The great news today is that there's lots of options out there. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're, if you're in a, in a, in a community where you've got, you know, access to, you know, high quality public schools and maybe virtual charter schools and other types of, uh, of religious schools. There's a lot of options available. And uh, the most important thing is to really look at, at what fits best, you know, what both from an economic standpoint, as well as from a, from a learning standpoint and, uh, and try to try to navigate each of uh, your kids to a place where they're really going to be able to excel. That's fantastic. It just, it goes so in line with, um, the foundation of this podcast, Learning Reimagined. Um, one thing that Sandy and I as educators have, have seen over the past year is that just the involvement of our families and the need to be flexible in education by our teachers, by our administrators, by our families, um, they've all had to adapt and go, go about education differently. And so now we're not satisfied with just this traditional old school style of education. And I love that we're able to bring in people like you to share with our listeners other options for them because 
we really are as, as a community taking ownership over our kids' education. And um, we talk quite a bit about the personalization, which you mentioned quite a bit as well. Um, education, we've come to a point where everything in our life is personalized. Education should be too. So I, I just really appreciate your time today, Dave. I know our listeners really do as well. Um, we will put Dave's contact information up on our uh, Learning Reimagined Instagram page. So if you would like to reach out to Dave directly, you may do so. Or if you have any questions about microschooling, you can direct message us on Instagram or you can email us at learningreimaginedthepod at gmail.com. Dave, thank you so much for your time today. Sandy, it's been wonderful. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Allison. It's my pleasure. Thanks, Allison. Thanks, Sandy. Glad to, uh, to have been here with you. And um, uh, best of luck as you continue to reimagine learning. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank Thanks. you. Have a great day. Bye.